I want us, uh, if you will, to um, look at God's Word this morning. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. And so if you want to open God's Word in front of you there, please do that to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading portions of the Word as I go through uh, the message today. This is not um, the message that I had intended on giving. Uh, My initial intention uh, was scrapped. Um, and, you know, if, if you understand about uh, speaking, particularly about preaching, uh, there needs to be um, in, in my heart this awareness that I am, um, you know, I can lay down at night and say with all my heart, Father, I believe I am where you want me to be. Well, I had initially planned in just laying out um, the Christmas series to be somewhere else. Um, and all of a sudden... That changed. God lets you know on a need-to-know basis what he wants to share with you. And we talked about that uh, last week. And so I want, to, um, we want to, sh- I want to share this message with you, and then I'll share with you uh, what God is doing in me in this. Because the message this morning is time to be at peace with it all. Time to be at peace with it all. We're talking about what time is Christmas. And so um, I want us to look at God's work. Now, we're thinking about Mary, of course, and getting close to um, the, the, the time of Christ's birth. You know, having a, a child, uh, if you've had that, that, that privilege and that opportunity and that gift from the Father, I think for the average couple, having that first child uh, is one of the most exciting times uh, in your married life. Of course, the whole wedding deal and everything, that's absolutely uh, exciting. And for Catherine and I, um, back in 1975, um, we had uh, a couple of emotions that were right at the top. One, we were excited, and the other one, we were scared. Um, Never, of course, having gone through this before. uh, But the the big deal about it was that her mom um, had had her only baby brother, Catherine's only baby brother, six months before Kristen was to be born. So mom wasn't coming down to help Catherine because she was taking care of her own newborn. And so we had, you know, we had all of that. My mom and dad were wrapped up in uh, running a grocery store and not being able to get somebody to fill in for them. And so they were not going to be here for the birth of our firstborn child, John Kristen. Now, as we had expected, we had no family with us that um, June the 29th. Uh, And, of course, it was on a Sunday morning. When else would a pastor's child be born? (laughs) Sunday morning. Um, And it all started at 2 a.m. Sunday morning. And then he was born that that afternoon. So my beloved went through genuine labor um, for a long, long time. As we expected, we had no family present. What we had not expected was the support of this family, this church. We, we had a waiting room full. The hospital was mildly nervous. Uh, people calling, wanting to know how it was going on, until finally the uh, uh, switchboard simply told me, if you're calling about the green baby, no, he's not here yet. <laughs> and so uh, it was kind of, it was fun, but, but not. And so we, we had a waiting room full of church members of all ages and tons of emotional support. And just for us, that sense of a brand new family that God was giving us here on the hill. 
But that wasn't what Mary had. The mother of God's Messiah. She'd been chosen by the Lord, blessed by him, watched over by him. Unlike Catherine, um, Mary, um, Catherine, of course, had her first child by me. Mary had embraced the virgin birth, not totally understanding, except there was going to be something God was going to do. And she accepted this miracle, and in accepting that, Mary knowingly accepted the potential scandal that was going to come with it. She embraced the real possibility, because you got to understand, she wasn't reading about this here. She was living it. And not knowing what was going to happen with Joseph, the potential of losing her beloved, because, you know, who's, who's ever heard of a virgin birth before? And the real potential of losing her, her beloved Joseph, and even the possibility of being stoned because that was what the law required for adultery. And yet with all these possibilities that were there in front of her, Mary's answer to what she was going to go through was yes. She said Yes. And so what I want to focus on this morning is what Mary had to be at peace with. Um, because the whole title of the message is just being at peace with it all. And I believe you'll see where, where I'm headed in as we, as we go through. The first thing I want us to notice, number one, is that Mary had to be at peace with her financial situation. And maybe this will speak to somebody here this morning. Here's the first insight. Mary endured her pregnancy in utter poverty. We have the biblical insight that you get in, in just the word to the financial situation of Mary as well as uh, Joseph. And the thing is, when Mary uh, married Joseph, when she came into his home, her financial security did not do an uptick. Okay, it didn't. It's not like it got better. Look in your Bibles at Luke chapter 2. Look at verse 22. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, when a male child is born... The mother had to wait 40 days for purification, longer if it was, if it was a girl, before she would be allowed to go to the temple uh, for worship and for the primary purpose of dedicating that firstborn child, firstborn son to the Lord. It wasn't infant baptism, but it was a time when parents would commit themselves to the Lord and say, we want to raise this child in the faith of you, Father, we want, to, we want to raise this child to follow you and to obey you and to value your words. So and that's what the ceremony in the temple was, was going to be all about. Now, in Bible times, the only child that you dedicated, as we read, was the firstborn son. Why? Because he was the only one in the family um, who had all the rights of inheritance. Everything primarily that the dad had would pass to the eldest son. And in consecrating this child to the Lord, they had to offer a sacrifice. If you look at verse 24 in Luke 2, it says, they gave a pair of doves or pigeons. That's how we know they were poor. They were poverty stricken. 
The primary prescribed sacrifice to the Lord was a lamb. That's what God wanted above everything else. He wanted a lamb without spot or blemish. But you, you, only, gave, you only had to give the lamb if you could afford it. If you couldn't afford it, then you were allowed to bring something else. And you had to get special approval by the priest. In other words, you had to go before the priest and you had to be able to explain your situation and in certain ways prove that and for the priest to recognize your poverty as genuine. And then he would permit you to offer the birds. Mary and Joseph got their exemption. And so what that tells you is the priest realized and it was shown that they were not financially able to even offer one lamb. They did not have that ability. Um, and so scripture, the, the thing I want you to notice is nothing is said by Mary about their situation. Here she was, God has said, I want you to bear my son. The creator of the universe said, I want you to bear my son to be the savior of the world. God was involved in all of this. Now just put yourself in that. She is being asked to do huge um, put herself out there in a huge way. The potential for scandal is fantastic. And what is her situation? Nothing changes. She is as poor as she was before God spoke to her. But the thing I want you to notice is Mary doesn't say anything. And what I want you to understand is it is normal in Scripture because God doesn't sugarcoat anything, does he? And it's normal in Scripture that God lets you know if somebody is having a problem with his will. When we get in, you go back to the book of Genesis. Eve wasn't at peace with the whole thing about not being able to eat of the tree. That's where the power of the temptation came from. And God shared with, her, shared with us that she sinned against the Lord. Sarah wasn't at peace with this whole thing about waiting on the Lord. And so what did she do? She had uh, Abraham go into Hagar and to produce a child. And it was a huge, huge mistake. But we see all that because God doesn't hide anything. God just tells it like it is. And what I want you to notice is you hear nothing out of Mary. She is chosen to be the mother of God for crying out loud. And I am dirt poor? Are you kidding me? Really? Lord, you own the cows on a thousand hills. Let's sell something. You know, change up this situation. The second thing I want you to notice is she was at peace with the birth. She was at peace with the birth. So the first thing is Mary's pregnancy was in poverty. But the second thing I want you to notice is she had to leave home in the midst of her pregnancy. Now, ladies, how many of you have had children the, the natural way? All right, all right. You've had, you birthed a baby. When Joseph learned that Mary was with child, he was going to divorce her. That's what the scripture says. Because engagement was a big deal. And it normally ended in a legal, um, it, it was a legal exercise. There was this public announcement. And what it was designed to do, it brought shame to the one um, that was causing the divorce to have to take place. And so Joseph, the Bible says, was a good man. He was honorable. Joseph had two options. Number one, to be seen as righteous because he hadn't done anything wrong. He could publicly 
cancel the marriage on the grounds of adultery. And what it would mean is it would put Mary to an open shame. Men did it all the time if a woman was unfaithful. Um, and possibly it would expose her, as I said, to death by stoning. This would save face for him, but it would wound her, of course, publicly. She would be open to public shame before her family and everybody. The second option was he could divorce her privately. Without public declaration, he could even send her away. I mean, he could be, he could be the bigger man, big man in this and, and justify himself while saving Mary from shame. And so what the Bible says is Joseph chose option two. He was going to put her away privately. That's Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. But before he could carry it out, what happened? God came to him, right? The Lord sent this angel, and the angel told him, he said, listen, this is a God thing. I'm doing a miracle here, and I want you to marry her, and I want you to care for her, and I want you to care for the baby. That's what the angel said. Do not be afraid to take her to yourself as wife. This thing is of the Lord. And so Joseph does exactly that. He took her as his wife. He cared for her, and he even took her to Bethlehem with him for the census. Look at chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that, was, that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. Caesar Augustus, historically, was the greatest Roman emperor of all. He ushered in what was called Pax Romana, which is the Roman peace. He is the one who developed the golden age of Roman literature and architecture. He's the one that really boosted Rome up worldwide. He called for a census, the scripture says, which was used for two things. This would determine the number of troops he could expect to come in from that region that he could pull to put into the army. And then it also let him know how much money he could potentially get from taxation. And the information was gleaned one way. This was their decision that everyone would go to their birthplace. Little did he know that he was working God's plan all along, right? Isn't it amazing how God does this? Luke chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Now, I want you to understand, Mary was not required to go with Joseph. And theologians from our studies think that he took her for two reasons. Joseph took Mary with him because, number one, he wanted to, of course, protect the child. He wanted to be there with that baby, protect her at birth, and attend to Mary because he loved this girl. He loved her. And the second thing is he wanted to save Mary from embarrassment. Um, now, we assume um, that Mary and Joseph left, Bethlehem, left for Bethlehem in her ninth month. Would you agree that's what we've all felt? She, you know, was riding there pregnant and, and ready to, to give birth and got there just in time for the birth and, and then they left. But all the Bible says is that they were there at the time that came for the baby to be born. That's all it says. Scholars have proposed 
that there's a, a very real other scenario. They proposed that with Joseph's heart for Mary, wanting to um, save her from scandal, that they most likely left for Bethlehem before Mary ever got into her third trimester, before she ever got to that point, just before she began to show, before people would begin to suspect. And Joseph took her with him to save her from scandal and trying to do that. Now, why would, why would he want to do that? Because people can count. How many times have you seen a couple get married and it's not long before they've got that child and you're like, Hmm. One, two, three, four. You'd, oh, come on. Everybody does it. <laughs> yeah, it can happen really fast. But you just, you know, you just count it all up, right? And so they, they were counting. She and Joseph are betrothed. Well, during their betrothal period, there's no physical relationship. So during the time of uh, them being betrothed, in the engagement period, there's no living together. Secondly, she hears from the angel God's will for her, and she accepts it, and then she leaves for three months. Her first trimester is at the home uh, of Elizabeth, right, where John the Baptist is going to be born. That's her first trimester. The whole time, she's up there. Then she comes home at the beginning of her second trimester, and she tells Joseph what's happened, and she and Joseph are immediately married, no party, no public wedding, and then three months later, she begins to show Three months later, people can add and subtract. And Joseph wants to protect Mary. And I think that it worked. Because when I, you, you go back and look at Scripture, biblically, it seems that Joseph saved Mary from scandal. And you go back later on, not right now, but you go back and you read Matthew 13, uh, verse 55. The uh, guy from the community of Nazareth said, spoke about Mary as being Jesus' brothers, his mother is here, and his brothers. And so for everybody around, they thought, he's, he's Mary and Joseph, his, his, uh, his parents, and these are his siblings. And so apparently, Joseph saved her from scandal. Now, when you begin to look at it, what's very probable is that they go to Bethlehem and they maybe stay with relatives, somebody they're able to seek shelter with until the birth of the child. And, of course, when the baby coming in, they need to be somewhere where there's room, probably get out of, out of the house. They need more space. And that's where the end comes into play. But what I want you to notice is, going through all of this, Mary never grumbles. She never says a word. Because what is she doing? She is being forced to leave home. What's with home? Home is where family is. Home is where there are women who can be there to help her give birth. You got to understand, what, what is Mary's age? Most probably, and I thought about having my granddaughter, uh, Emma, through all three services stand up here. Emma is 15. Most likely, Mary would have been like my granddaughter, Emma. And she's bearing a child. And to think about Emma going through this all by herself, being totally out of town where none of us are close to her, would really be a challenge. And yet you don't hear anything out of Mary. Number three, she had peace with the desperate birth spot. You know, when you get all these Christmas cards, you're starting to get Christmas cards in. One of the things you see 
is um, you, you, you see them, uh, there's, they're beautiful, they're Christmassy, um, and biblically, you know, they got Mary and Joseph, but they're in a nice barn usually, someplace. And you got these contented animals. And baby Jesus is looking up at Mary, smiling and sweet. Jesus is like he's just, actually, you think about it, he looks like he's three months old. You're like, that's, that's not a newborn. That baby's really big. Um, and so no newbornness with that Christ child. And from the biblical perspective, Joseph was desperate to find a place for their birth. Now, I want to tell you something. You've all heard stories, haven't you, of parents that are like rushing to get the mother to the hospital in time to have the baby, right? And how many times you, you have these little ones being born on the side of the road? I remember when uh, Catherine was... Uh, in the hospital having John Christian. Of course, at that time, I'm like a third-rate citizen. I don't even, I, I mean, I'm not, I can't even be close to my own wife. You know, you're, you're sequestered, they roll her off. I didn't know what was going on with her. And I'm out here, what am I doing? I'm walking the halls. I'm eating everything in sight. Um, and, you know, just waiting on this. And of course, she goes from 2 a.m. and the baby's not born until four that afternoon. And so I, I haven't seen her, you know, for hours. Well, I'm walking the halls, and I've been outside on the, on the campus there at Memorial, what, CHI. And uh, I come back in just in time. I see a couple, they've gotten in the elevator, and the elevator doors are closing. And just as the elevator doors start to close or, and, are, and are coming to, she hollers. You know, my eyes get big and everything. She, she hollers out, and she's like, this, this baby is coming. This baby is coming. I've never seen that in my life. When that door closes, I can hear her going up. I, as she's going up, I hear her say, oh, this baby's coming. This baby's coming. I thought, I'm, I'm going to see that because that's the only way I'm going to see a baby born. I run up the stairwell, and I get up to the second floor. When I come through the door into the hallway, this is before uh, maternity was, of course, remodeled, okay? And so I come through the, the, the doorways into a delivery are swinging this way. I mean, they've just gone through. And I, as soon as I come out, I hear somebody say, it's a boy. And I thought, man, that's cutting it close. <laughs> Poor girl never made it to a bed. Lord have mercy. Mary and Joseph had no hospital. Her birthplace was a stable. And history says most probably in those days, a lot of times it was a cave, which meant it would have been smelly, cold, and damp. The bassinet was a feeding trough. Manger is a sweet word. And it, it doesn't, unless you've had animals, you, you don't lay newborn babies, you don't want to anyway, in a feeding trough. Why? Because there's slobber in there from the animals eating. When they're eating the, the hay or they're, they're eating the, the feed, what, whatever it is. A manger was a feeding trough for animals. And it's one of the last places you'd want to lay a baby. And the thing you do not hear is you hear nothing out of Mary. You hear nothing. God records no griping. She has the, the challenge of public ridicule. She's not at home where there are women who could tend to her. And the place of the birth is a smelly, most likely cave. Or a stinking barn with cow poop all over the place. Which brings you to number four. It was, she was at peace with aloneness. 
Um, this is a young girl. She's not a woman, as I said. Uh, a first-time mother. Look at Luke 2, verse 7. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Wrapping a baby was a common event following birth. That's, that's, what, that's what you did. Long strips of cloth were used to wrap the baby tight to keep arms and legs straight. It was known as swaddling. But I want you to notice something that maybe you didn't think about or you just, just kind of overlooked it. Mary is the one who swaddled Jesus. Mary. Probably a 15-year-old girl. She's the one that cleaned him. She gave birth to him. A natural birth. She's maybe 15. She gives birth. She's the one that cleans him. She's the one um, that wraps him. She's the one that places him in the manger. Not a midwife. Not her mother. Not a girlfriend. Mary did it all. Maybe a 16-year-old girl. She had no attendant but Joseph. Guys, that wasn't helpful at all, most likely. <laughs> there was no one in the know by her side to help that young girl give birth to a baby. Mary had to do normally what another woman experienced would have done for her. And above everything else, I just want you to see Mary had not a word, not a complaint about the difficulty she was having to go through in bringing the Son of God into the world. And so that brings me to number five. Mary was at peace in it all. Luke 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angel had left them and gone into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. What I simply want you to understand, this was yet another challenging, difficult time that Mary embraced. These brand new parents... Who are the first ones at the birth of their firstborn? Shepherds. Now, what you got to understand is in Jewish society, this was low class. These were people, um, they, they were nomadic. They were uneducated. Uh, they probably slaughtered um, the Hebrew tongue. Uh, they were ceremonially unclean. And they were not at any time ever invited to socials. You didn't do that. Not a shepherd. Their arrival was not a source of great joy to Mary and Joseph. It's not like they woo-wee, we got shepherds here. Look what Mary said. 
Chapter 2, verse 19. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. When I was reading, there's a theologian, J.E. White, and he said, you know, this reminds me of a truth in journalism. They have a saying, burying the lead. In other words, you read a story and you get to the end only to find out that you learned the real truth only at the end. You think you know it, but you get there and then you find out, oh, this is, this is a real truth. The headline of the nativity is not Mary's poverty. It isn't Mary being far from home at the birth. It is not Mary's desperate condition at the birth, being all alone. It is not Mary had to care for herself and the baby all by herself. Look at the truth in your outline. The headline of the nativity is that Mary's attitude in all of this was peace. The Bible says Mary treasured these things. You know what that means? That means that Mary looked at everything that had been true about the birth of this Jesus. And what she said is, there's something important in all this for me. And then she pondered it. She thought deeply and a lot about everything that had happened. Even the shepherds coming. So in your outline, here's the question. How are you and I this Christmas with what God is allowing to take place in your life. How are you with that? The ups and the downs, the situations, the many days, maybe going in a rough direction where you struggle with it all. Here's the question. When was the last time something happened that wasn't good and you chose to treasure it? And you did it for one reason. You did it because you knew it was the sovereign God of the universe and that nothing happens to you that doesn't, first of all, pass through his loving hands. Nothing can come to me, beloved, and nothing can come to you except the Father permits it. Would you say amen to that? That's the truth. That's the reality. And the, and the question this morning for me and for you is will you choose this Christmas to celebrate because you know that everything works together for the good to them that love the Lord and will seek his will for their lives? Will you trust this Christmas that God can bring good to you out of what you are going through? And look in your outline. What time is Christmas? It is time for you and me to live every day knowing what we're going through is part of a much bigger story. God is in the midst of whatever you're going through and we'll work through it if we trust him. Everything that Mary went through was for a reason. It had to do with her life. And the truth of your outline, Mary saw her birth journey as something God was trusting her to endure for a greater purpose. You see, the, the reality was Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. Mary had to have the baby in Bethlehem. And so that meant all these other things had to happen. Maybe this Christmas the kids aren't coming home. Maybe life's piling up on you and you can't get relief. Maybe nobody appreciates you. Maybe you hurt physically in a new place. You're like, oh, wow, great. There's another spot that's starting to hurt. And this is, you know, it's just getting worse and worse. Here's the truth. A victim mentality doesn't change anything. 
If I see myself as a victim, you see yourself as a victim, that doesn't change anything. And the insight is Christmas is the time to be at peace with your life. Does that make sense? Mary saw herself as blessed among women. And the reality is that you are blessed. You and I are blessed. As I share with you, this was not where I was planning to be. And um, a lot of this is just fresh um, coming out of my own personal journey. That's what I want to share with you um, because I just want you to know. Um, uh, doctors have determined that uh, my prostate cancer uh, is back. And so um, I'm going to um, be having uh, radiation therapy. Um, my first um, appointment is tomorrow, 2.30. Uh, and I will be having radiation five days a week for eight weeks. And... Uh, it's not what I expected. It's not what I was looking for. But it's part of my journey. And that's where I am. That's why I wanted to share this message with you. I am not a victim. I am my father's son. My days have already been assigned to me. I will live as long as God wants me to live. This is part of the journey. And I'm at peace with that. Catherine and I are. This is not something to be afraid of. And I'm not telling you this to shock you, but I'm telling it because I want God to get all the mileage out of it that he wants. And I want to walk this journey well. God's in control. And God's in control of what you're going through. Whatever you're going through this Christmas... Is part of a plan. Nothing can touch you except the Father permits it. So would you stand together? And this morning, maybe, maybe your heart's heavy. Maybe it's a real challenge for you. And if it is, and you'd be willing to just own it, I want to invite you this morning for to just pray with me, just that you just come wherever you are, stand down here at the front. I don't, I'm trusting God's got a purpose in this whole thing. And so if you're facing something that's a challenge, something that's different, something that's maybe a, something from left field, if you call it, I want to ask you just to come and stand here. Um, and we're going to pray over that during this Christmas season. And um, uh, because God, um, whatever is happening, is part of his plan. Um, and our journey is to own it. Um, and one of the things um, that this is certainly doing for me that I think it will do for you um, is uh, whatever you're going through is meant to wean you away from sin. Um, it's going to cause you to want to be obedient to God in, in new and fresh ways. And when you and I are suffering... And we realize we're in Christ's hands. It's going to change us. It'll change us always slowly, sometimes quickly. But it's going to change us. 
And that's the plan. That's the plan with the challenge. And so let's go to the Father with it, and then I'm going to dismiss you this morning. Father, thank you today, God, for the word. Thank you we, we've seen in the life of Mary, your chosen, this chosen young girl who brought our Lord into the world. And I want to thank you so much, God, for this truth. Mary was not a complainer. She was not a griper. And she was just a young kid of a girl, obviously able to bear a child physically. And so, um, but she trusted you. And you've taught us so much from her life that we are to trust you. And everything we go through serves a purpose. There is a reason Uh, Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. And so Mary had to go through what she went through. She had to be away from family. She had to leave her home. She had to be alone with only Joseph. She had to be in a place that was special, that would bear part of the truth of Christ's coming, that he, he came down here to be a commoner among men. And was born a lowly birth. All of that had to happen. And what we are going through has to happen for the testimony of our lives. We are not victims. We are your children. And there is a purpose in everything we face. So, Father, we bless your name and we glorify you. And may this Christmas, Lord, ring truer in our hearts than it ever has. Because you are a faithful father to us. May we be quick to share what you've done in our lives with others and tell them the story of your grace and our journey and all that you teach us through it. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. You're dismissed.